0: look at my butt
1: show number 293 of look at his butt lt and jk still talking track oh so much track welcome listeners we're here we're doing another show believe it or don't here we are it's happening it's all happening actually so much is happening I I, you know I I think keeping up with Trek now is just going to be like frantic because Uh there is so much happening in the world of Star Trek that um, it's all happening at one time so we're going to try to break things down and we are not going to talk about Discovery. Because we haven't watched it yet, but it's on and everybody's kind of going, wow, there's a lot happening. So I got to be like emotionally prepared to watch Discovery.
0: How do people keep up with the
1: Marvel Universe? <laughs> I, I don't know how people keep up with anything because <laughs> I have stuff that I like to watch and I can't keep up with it. Oh, so. I know. Oh, It's it's just, it's a lot. And, anyway. and a lot of
0: my favorites are, you know, restarting now like The Great and mm-hmm. so it's like, oh man I know I'm going to get, you know, Catherine The Great mixed up with Strange New Worlds or something. And... Sure, <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, it's just a lot, but I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that there's a lot because I'm very is. happy that there's so much Star Trek that's happening Mm -hmm. right now -hmm. it's all good so first things first uh one thing that we did watch well I watched it anyway was the new animated series which is called Star Trek Prodigy and I watched the first two episodes which apparently were on as a um one and two put together to sort of introduce it Mm -hmm. and you know it's fine it's totally fine it's aimed at younger kids I would say kids who are probably in the like I don't know, 5 to 10 range. I oh, okay. really like this a lot. It's for quite young viewers. So mm-hmm. um, it's very bright and very colorful. It is very clearly in the Star Trek universe, which I like. You know, there's familiar things about it. Uh, there's Hollow Janeway, who's very cool. I like seeing her. The The whole first two episodes are set up, though. So there was a lot of, like, who are these characters? How are they going to get the band together? How are they going to get on the ship? Where are they going to get off this planet? I got very strong, um, some Star Wars-ish vibes from the way they set this up, and then other things that were clearly like tropes from other science fiction properties Mm -hmm. that they kind of put together, which is not a bad thing, but as an adult, you're like, yeah, I've seen this before. Right. But I think for kids, they might enjoy it, and there's some mysteries. The main character, the kid is from an unknown species, like nobody knows who he is, but the other main character is a Medusin. Which I was like, hey, Whoa. that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they gave this Medusin character, who is canonically like genderless, non-binary, non-gendered, a little um, suit with legs to walk around in, which is kind of neat. Like, But, uh, that's but a you good can idea. see this
0: Medusin and not go insane? No, you cannot. So it's okay. it's enclosed. So in like it's just a, a
1: suit spear. walking around. It's just a suit walking around, Yeah, <laughs> okay. which is funny. I mean, it's <laughs> yes, good. Yes, yes. I like that. And the person who's voicing it does a um, sort of a, a indeterminate gender voice. Like, it could be a man. It could be a woman. It doesn't matter. Um, and I like the way that they're playing that character. Mm-hmm. So the thing that was cool about Colos, uh, the Medusan in Star Trek, is that that character was smart and really capable but was also sort of playful yes. and, and childlike in some ways and this character is very much like that so you know they get frustrated when people are yelling like don't you know how to pilot this ship and they're like well no because i've never piloted this particular <laughs> ship before exactly. it's like it's good like i i like it and there's a lot of humor some of it's silly because it's kid humor but other parts of it are are actually pretty good um the villain in it uh, the initial villain that we've seen reminded me quite a lot of um, Cylons looks like a Cylon oh, okay. from Battlestar, but also looks like Ultron from the Marvel movies is like, okay, I've seen this evil robot there right, a right. lot before. That's all right. Uh, and so it it seems, it seems good. And I think I'll continue watching it. it it's not, it's not like lower decks, obviously, <laughs> right? but it is, it is good for what it, it, it should be. And I like that there Using the Star Trek universe to appeal to that very young audience Mm -hmm. who might get bored by some of the other things and who clearly are not going to be watching like Picard, right? right? Like that's this that's not what that's for. Well, cool. Yeah, it's good that they've done this, and there's other little callbacks to other Star Trek things in there too, which I appreciated. Yeah. I I will give a thumbs up if you guys have kids who like you know quick fun animation. I could definitely recommend it for that. You know, I'm flashing back to a fanfic from the
0: days when we were very active in it. And somebody wrote this very funny story about that particular Medusin, was his name Kolos, whatever? Yeah. And it was so funny because in this story, he's just bitching them out, going, (laughs) You know what I'm so sick of? Oh, he's so ugly, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And that's really all I remember of it, but I remember really enjoying that
1: (laughs) that's really good well it's an interesting thing you know even though it's a kid show there are parts of it where you're like "Ooh, that's something so Mm -hmm. part of the plot is that the characters all have to escape from basically a prison planet the kids are in prison yeah well sort of yeah i mean the kid the kids aren't like five they're teenagers right okay so but yeah and they're on this prison planet it's not called a prison planet, but it's clearly a prison planet. Um, it's a mining operation that everybody's being forced to work in. And, but we don't know why. Like, mm-hmm. why are they there? How did they get there? We don't know. That's something else to be solved. And the Medusan was captured by the evil robot and used as a weapon
0: like mm. so
1: they would open it and expose people to that to make them insane like that was a punishment that they would give to people was like wow that's pretty dark yeah but you could see that that's what an evil person would do with a creature like the Medusa, and knowing that that's what would happen um if people saw them so i was like but well, interesting idea yeah sure yeah. evil people would do something like that i guess so that was that was very weird anyway okay um and, and when when is that on Oh, it's on um, Paramount Plus, and it's on now once a week. I think it's on Tuesdays or something. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm I'm not watching it on Paramount Plus, so I don't know. Right. All it's, right. It's coming to me via a a, a Jolly Roger somewhere. Okay. <laughs>
0: I think you'd say via Jelly Donut.
1: <laughs> no. Oh, that would be good. Turn on
0: the Jelly Donut. <laughs> I would like a Jelly Donut.
1: The other thing that's on right now is a documentary series called *The Center Seat*, which is showing on the History Channel. And uh, Gates McFadden is the narrator and also one of the executive producers. So good for her, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. So there have been uh, two. I guess the third one might be on tonight or something. I think that it's on on Sunday. Well, anyway, go ahead. Is it? Okay, I whatever. Don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> on once a week for now, and I think there's six episodes. So. You can watch it on the History Channel on regular cable, but it's also on the History Channel subscription service, which is called History Vault. And the very weird thing is that the episodes have different names, whether they're on the History Channel Vault or whether they're on the History Channel. So I am confused. Are they the same or are they different episodes? I don't know the answer to this question because I'm not paying for the History Vault, but I think it's weird that they have different names.
0: Well, there's something on that's... I don't know if it's Star Trek or not. It's very popular, and it's on one of the the pay for cable things. But um, the next day you can see it on Hulu, which is very mm-hmm. cheap. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like, all right, you know, whatever they got to do to get the content out to us.
1: Yeah, I guess so. So we'll we'll find out at some point, I suppose. So there have been two episodes on, and we both watched the first one. I also watched the second one, and I, I would say, you know, it's fine. <laughs> the, the first episode to me felt so breathless. They uh-huh. raced, raced through everything about TOS so fast at such a speed. And things just were, I, I felt like the story was sort of step, tripping over itself to try to get it all into one hour. Yeah, and I wish they hadn't done that.
0: Well, um, do you know this is produced by the same people who did uh, Toys That Made Us? Oh, really? Yes. Oh,
1: I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, I was impressed that they ended up talking to more experts like our good friends, the Tanudos. Yeah. So it was nice to see them on there. I was like, hey, John. That was nice. And other people like Larry Nemechek, and then they talked to David Gerald and, and mm-hmm. other folks who know a lot about star trek and of course they have to do that because so many of the people involved in the original series are dead i know so that was sort of sad but they all realize. wrote
0: books so <laughs> they
1: did write books and they gave a lot of interviews before they died right so there
0: there is that. there was one thing that i picked up on in episode one that i my eyes kind of popped i went I have never heard that before, which was mm-hmm. they were describing how um, when Gene finally got the okay to go ahead and make a pilot from Lucy, um, <laughs> they said from the very get go, his number one choice for the captain who didn't have a name yet was William Shatner. I don't think that's true. And they couldn't get him because he was filming one of the legal shows that he, yeah. he did in those early like, days.
1: For the people, I think. Yeah. At that time, yeah. And
0: I thought, I have never heard that. And I don't believe Bill has ever said
1: anything that would support that. I don't think so either. I know he was on the short list uh-huh. for actors, but I never. I don't think he was ever the first choice. Like, this is the man that we want. yeah. So that seemed a little suspect to me. Um, I also just saw, like right before we started recording this, that um, there's a guy on Twitter who tweets under the the handle Fact Trek, facts on the final frontiers. And he says um, that one of the assertions in that first episode, which was that Gene Kuhn, Mm -hmm. who was the producer and wrote a lot of the scripts and people rightly consider him like a, a real architect of... Uh, Star Trek, because he brought a lot to it and made up for a lot of Gene Roddenberry's shortcomings, Mm -hmm. shall we say, in the story department. He left because he didn't like them writing funny shows. Yeah, I've never heard that either. Well, it's not true. Okay, well, that's... (laughs) So, so, yes, on Twitter, he, he gives a couple of examples of why that's not true. So I don't know where they got that from, but that is definitely not something that's true. So I wonder, you know, when they're doing something like this, how much they vet it and how much is apocryphal and how much is good stories. Like, they'd spent quite a bit of time talking about Harlan Ellison uh-huh. and the thing about they locked him in a room and he wanted to play loud music. And then they went in and he had climbed out the window. I was like, did that happen? I I don't know if that really. Well, happened. and it's not just how much
0: fact checking did they do. Who did the fact checking? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you have just the raw, superficial knowledge of Trek, everything sounds true.
1: Mhm. Exactly. And if you take the word of some people who tell a good story, like Harlan Ellison, for example, mm-hmm. I'm sure he told that story many times to people. Mm-hmm. D- did it happen? Maybe. So it, it seems a little bit disingenuous for them to present it as a fact rather than here's a story that Harlan used to tell cuz it got a big laugh from people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that yep. that's more of what I would have expected. Um also interesting omissions when they talked about casting Major Barrett. They didn't say why he cast Major Barrett in the pilot. Mm-hmm. I wish they'd said that yeah. because it's pretty important why they did that, but no, they didn't mention that at all. Yeah. So for all of that, it was I thought it was very good and interesting that they talked about the origins of Desilu and how that played into why Star Trek actually got on the air. Mm -hmm. That was good. Yes. Reasonable history there. And that all seemed pretty, pretty neat. The second episode was all about the animated series. And kudos to them for giving a whole show talking about the animated series because that doesn't often happen. And that, I thought, was pretty good. I've read a fair amount about it, and it felt like most of what they talked about was factual. Plus, they had the people there to talk about it, like David Gerald, who was Mm -hmm. heavily involved, and Walter Koenig, who wrote one of the scripts, and some of the people who worked on the animation. And it was good to hear them talk about it. And give it the respect of a Star Trek series, because it was a Star Trek series. Right. Everybody has since acknowledged that just about everything that happened in that is canon. And so we shouldn't disregard it and say, no, it was just a cartoon. This stuff doesn't matter. And they did spend some time talking about how stuff that has come later in Trek mm-hmm. has drawn from the animated series including Dr. Tana from who's yes. a Cation, just like Lieutenant Mraz so that's all cool and, and it was nice to see them talk about it what I am wondering is whether they are going to talk about Star Trek Phase 2 in any meaningful way or whether it's just going to be a little footnote on the way to talking about the motion picture we will find out
0: well, I almost think they have to because that led to the motion picture and the motion picture success is what led to TNG. And they used mm-hmm. a lot of their phase two ideas for TNG.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So I, I hope that they can. And again, now that it you know it happened later in history, so there are more people alive mm-hmm. who can talk about it with authority. Yeah. that would be good. Yes. People who were actually there when it happened. So I think it's worth watching. You're not going to find out a whole lot that's new, I don't think. Yeah. I, I hope that they talk about um, some of the stuff that Bill turned up when he did the Chaos on the Bridge yes. documentary, because that was so incredibly good. Oh, just as a sidelight to this, I listened to an interview that I heard Will Wheaton do some years ago on a Star Trek podcast that's called the Mission Log podcast. And I've listened to a couple episodes. The interviews are more interesting than they're talking about Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But but Will Wheaton talked for a good hour and some about his experiences. And now that he's older and has kind of been through a lot and acknowledged things that have happened, he's been quite vocal about... Basically, how Rick Berman abused him, yes, when he was an actor, and that it was really Rick Berman who was responsible for pretty much all of the bad stuff that mm-hmm. happened on TNG.
0: Well, like, I didn't, you know, follow TNG. I mean, I watched it every now and then, but
1: even I was aware of the fans just going on and on about Berman. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so Berman and and Brandon Braga mm-hmm. had, were like the team. But it was really Berman who was responsible for a lot of the worst stuff that happened. And Braga just didn't have as much authority uh, or responsibility. So pretty much when you see a bad thing in TNG, you can go, that was Rick Berman's fault. He did that on purpose, not by accident. (laughs) He did it intentionally. Now, that
0: could be an interesting series. Accidental Star Trek. (laughs)
1: Oh, so much of it has been accidental, um, <laughs> but I, I was—I was just happy to do it. Um, so if, if you're interested in hearing about uh, TNG from Will Wheaton's point of view, I would definitely recommend listening to his interview on the Mission Log. It's—it's it's good, and he has a lot of interesting insights into you know what it was like to be a kid doing it and how kind and wonderful his co-stars were. And that, you know, to this day, they are really his family because he had pretty much like a fucked up kids actor family, Uh you know, uh and that, that sucks. So TNG really became his family. But one thing that struck me is that when he talks about everybody on the series, he calls them by their first names, except for Jonathan Frakes, who he always calls Frakes. (laughs) And (laughs) I like that. I like like that that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. he's so tall
0: um, <laughs> he worked very hard to get that tall you know took a lot did. of classes really, in tall
1: yes and putting his leg up so he looked even taller mm-hmm. uh good all right fine so that's good um let's hear about the topic that we all love which is William Shatner and his wives
0: oh have okay oh my god now I am on uh Flipboard, which is an article aggregator, and you tell it what you're interested in, and it pulls it all together. Well, lately, I don't know, it's like they're hooked into National Enquirer or something, because (laughs) every day there's at least one, the sad truth about John Wayne.
1: (laughs) The sad truth about this. He's dead. Yeah, the sad
0: truth truth about William Shatner's wives.
1: Uh They're not married to him anymore. That's the sad
0: That's right. And, you know, it's saying... Um, You know, he was married four times, and, you know, talks about Marcy, and they were together like 11 years or something before they divorced, and, you know, they have quotes from Bill, which you and I have seen before, Mm -hmm. where he's saying, you know, Star Trek basically destroyed my marriage, you know, I was never Mm -hmm. home, and, you know, and everything, he said, if, you know, if anybody... If a young actor asked me for advice, I'd say don't marry another actor because Mm -hmm. it's so hard if they're working and you're not to be married to them. So you know that was that was like okay. So then there's Marcy, and it talks about Marcy and you know Marcy's career is like, "Mm." Um, Mm -hmm. but they were together for 17 years. Mm -hmm. Then it talks briefly about Noreen and how she drowned, and then there's Liz, and I don't know how many years they. have been together, but now they're divorced. Okay, here's the thing. Their sum up is so funny because they go, so William Shatner has been married and divorced four times. Mm. I'm going, "Um, drowning isn't divorcing. (laughs) No. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then they say, but, you know, how many people can say that they have had four amicable divorces, And I'm going, he had one, and that's Liz, because I don't Mm -hmm. think, you know, Marcy was happy with him, and Gloria certainly wasn't. I don't
1: think they talked to him very much after they got divorced. No,
0: and you know, from what he said, when the the show about where they were remodeling his house, and he had the whole family over, and one of his granddaughters was asking why he wouldn't go see her in the hospital. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, that... That was too hot to to uh to really cool off, so I was just getting the hugest kick about how stupid it was, and then it says, although they have been seen together and they <laughs> and I don't know how believable this article is, but this part I believe that um she was with him all through the lockdown mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. we believed, and um. I forget what the other thing was. It was one other, like, event that she was at or was planning to be at. So I think, you know, Ruby Pearl and you and I um, are on the money or very close to it with the idea of they got a, a sharp lawyer who said, what can we do about these California property mm-hmm. and somebody dies things so you know he can leave the bulk of it to his kids but a good settlement on her and mm-hmm. yeah but I just I was just going what they they were screaming at you get that to me get that to me so he just kept typing and saying just stupid outlandish things
1: <laughs> well it, it proves the thing that we have been saying for so many years which is that you put William Shatner's name in an article and it it's clickbait like instantly mm-hmm. Yep. People will click on it because oh, something that William Shatner has done, and then you mix it with William Shatner in divorce. It's like oh, twice as interesting. Yes. What could it? What salacious details are going to be included in this? And at least the, the
0: quotes they got from Bill were accurate because I've you know seen those same quotes in one of his most recent books, and you know it talks about that Noreen was an alcoholic and how Leonard mm-hmm. you know tried to warn warn him off and and everything. Um, But it was just like, so he's been divorced four times. Hmm, um, now let me think. <laughs> That's very bad. I know, is it is really so bad, bad, but I swear to you, you know, if you spend enough time online, which sadly I do, you see this about everybody and everything. And it's really hard to know what someone hasn't twisted or simply gotten wrong mm-hmm. or had no one to mm-hmm. fact check it like we were talking yeah.
1: about. Yep, there is just no fact-checking. No, whatsoever. no. And yeah, I mean, you have to be um, people like us who unfortunately know all these things. Yeah, <laughs> that's without part having, of my memory that isn't going. <laughs> well, you know, like you and I don't have to fact-check these things because we know what the facts are and we've already checked them. Mm-hmm. So yes, you're able to spot those things immediately. Yeah, I, I think, I wonder, as time goes on, Maybe we've talked about this. God, there's my memory going. But I feel like all the facts about Star Trek, even though so many books have been written, so much of it is just going to pass into mythology Mm -hmm. because nobody will be left alive to actually correct the things that aren't really true anymore. And so much of it will just become, yeah, oh, yeah, that happened. That definitely happened.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred years from now, archaeologists will dig something up and they'll say well these are historical records <laughs> yes, they are
1: they absolutely are. and they, they gonna... will
0: be doing research on well whatever happened to those thermians <laughs> that's right that's exactly
1: right okay uh, before we take our break can you uh tell us a little bit i know you're still listening to it, mm-hmm. an interview that bill did with adam carolla what oh, did he say
0: okay well if you don't know about 25 30 years ago um Adam Carolla had like a goofy variety talk show with Jimmy Kimmel.
1: Mm-hmm. and that, I
0: remember that. Okay, I do too. So that's how I know who he is. But anyway, he does a podcast now, which I didn't know because he's not anyone I follow. But um, my sister's husband had been listening to it. And he said, oh, you know, we got to tape this and send it to her because she'll love it. So they did, although they could have just sent me a URL. But anyway, <laughs> um, so... The reason, or one of the things I think is interesting, probably a month or so ago was when they recorded this, and I know people online were saying, you said you'd never do a podcast and everything, and Bill just shut it down with, he's a friend. And I do believe, you know, that they are friends, that, you know, they enjoy each other. So this was done, I don't know, a few days, maybe a week or so after Bill had gone to space. Oh, okay. And so he was no longer, you know, up with the the fluffy co- clouds and and life and death and everything. So you know, it, it was very interesting because when when Adam was asking him, like, "Well, w- were you nervous?" and he goes, "Well, you know, he, yeah, I was, I was kind of nervous because um, <laughs> it was so funny that what, the way the two of them got into this." He goes, "You know, the Hindenburg, you know, what made that blow up? Hydrogen." <laughs> And and Adam Carolla goes, and you were there, right? <laughs> oh. And Bill goes, no, no, I, I wasn't there. But, you know, there's, there's film. You can watch it. And he said, but there you are on this rocket. And you re- realize the stuff right below the rocket that's going to make it go up is hydrogen. And so <laughs> the hydrogen just coming into every story and the fear of being blown to bits by hydrogen. So that was that was kind of funny. But he also talked about, again, he called it. Rehearsing, not training, <laughs> <laughs> and the biggest part of rehearsing was uh, learning to do the uh, the five point uh, restraining system, like a seatbelt. Uh-huh. Okay, and he said this was like the biggest thing they had to do because uh-huh. um, there are five, you know, click, 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 click. But the the fifth one is in your crotch. Oh, jeez! And so you know, like those ones they pull up in baby seats. Oh, okay. that's what I'm visualizing. And, um, he says, that's the hardest one to do because you get hold of that, but then you're trying to find the other part. And when you're in rehearsal, (laughs) you're, you're sitting up straight and everything and it's manageable when you are lying on your back in zero (laughs) gravity, this is not easy. And they're going, okay, you've got three more seconds to get those seatbelts on. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to do it and everything. But, you know, everything <laughs> everything came out mm-hmm. just fine. And, you know, he talked about, you know, how he didn't want to go for the longest time. But the, the guy who produced Better Late Than Never, mm-hmm. you know, um, like two years or so ago, said, you should go on that. You should be like the first one up there. No, I don't want to do that but that guy called Amazon and talked to Bezos and everything and so that's um how that all worked out but there is a doc- documentary coming out
1: Ooh, is it, it just about
0: this or is it about other stuff I don't know but after Bill had just gab 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 about this space flight and everything um he said oh should I be telling you all this because I had to promise the document the documentary people that I wouldn't
1: Good one, Bill.
0: So this, as I said, my sister said it's short. So I thought it was 50 minutes. It's an hour. So I was going to listen to it in the few minutes before we started. So I've listened to half of it. And um, next week we'll see what we get into. But it's fun, you know. It's, Bill is very relaxed, talking to someone he's very comfortable with. He's also got a talk show out. He didn't say what's on. He must have left his shilling ability in space. But um, it's called, I Don't Understand.
1: Yes. I heard him talking about this and, oh, I have to see what channel it's on. He just tweeted about it. Oh, okay. The other day. Let me, let me research that while you talk.
0: Okay. And he was saying, you know, I don't understand anything. I don't know how anything works. (laughs) So we just get people who do understand these things. And I ask them about it. And like, he talked to somebody about how do you write an opera? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just thought that was really interesting. and, And, you know. I was one of the very few people, I think, who, who really did watch Shatner's Raw Nerve, which I thought was just great. Oh, so good. He's yeah. such a good interviewer. And these were, some of them were famous people and some of them were people um, like that, what was her name, Mary Kay Letourneau, the teacher mm-hmm. who slept with yes, the student. Yes. So she's not like famous, she's more like notorious, but he brings things out in people. And so I would really like to see that yeah well he's just so curious about things he is and somebody else not on this thing but someone else who knows him said he's like the most well-read person i've ever met but you Mm -hmm. know bill doesn't read fiction Mm -hmm. it's it's non-fiction all the way with him
1: so okay i have an update yay Um, this this is on a streaming service called portable.tv which you can install on your device. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's a mixture of news and other things. And yes, it's called, I don't understand. Okay, I'm gonna understand. I'm gonna see with- if that's some um, available on all my various devices here. Yes, and so his tweet about it is uh, math. Lots of people don't understand it, but have you ever thought about its origins? Is it the language of the universe or did humans just make it up? <laughs> Find out on Monday's episode of I don't understand with okay. William Shatner. Okay, very good.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I really want to see the one about how do you write an opera, because yeah. Bill is not musical,
1: and it'll be interesting <laughs> to see
0: these two minds trying to connect.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Here we go. Now I am on the page. Bill looks very good here. He looks good. Sorry. Okay. Just, uh, I know he's been filming it recently. Okay. Here are the episodes. Why are some people more successful? How to compose an opera. Hmm. Um unethical science Mm. Uh, sea level rise why the mosquito is our deadliest predator I know the answer to that Um, what makes something art why haven't we found life in space yet how far will AI go how do people get involved in cults What does, God, this just goes on. What does an astrophysicist do? Why are we afraid of death? How does a space telescope work? What do our dreams say about us? What happens on the ISS? How do animals communicate? What is a muon, the truth about why we lie? Okay. Okay. That is the episodes. Speaking of looking good, I've
0: been watching the reruns of Third Rock from the Sun (laughs) Mm, one of the shows mm-hmm. absolutely adored. And one of the first ones that I happened upon was one of the ones where Bill comes in as the big giant head. Oh, yeah. And he looked so good, but this is 30 years ago. But he was also so funny. And it's interesting to watch because, you know, all the everybody on that show played it very big, very loud, because it was like a farce. Mm-hmm. And Bill is sort of sliding in and out of that you know he's not always and everything Mm -hmm. but oh it's it's just entertaining as hell and it's it's just fun to see him you know
1: doing that i so wish that um when he was a younger man people would have cast him in those sorts of light comedies that he's so good at and character because He's so good. Even watching Star Trek again and, and the episodes, not the funny episodes, but the episodes where there is just a little bit of comedy that's happening mm-hmm. in there. Yep. He's so good. He's so subtle. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing for someone who had to translate years of stage performances into the the type of performances that you see on a television show, which are so much smaller, Mm -hmm. right, so much more contained. And he just, he's so good. Just, you know, the lift of an eyebrow, the tilt of his head. Yeah. The way he'll smile or, or, you know, kind of change his body posture to indicate frustration or something. He's amazing. Oh, yeah, he
0: can be very, very subtle.
1: Yep. People miss that anyway. Well, we've said all that, yes. but we'll say it again because we we like to talk about what a good actor William Shatner is. Yes, yes is. indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, let us take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little bit about Strange New Worlds, and we're also going to talk about Brent Spiner's book, which is called Fan Fiction. Yes, okay. We will be back. Uh... space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise, its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. So listeners, I read a book. Can you believe it i actually read a whole book
0: i believe it i totally believe it and we should say spoilers ahead
1: (laughs) oh yes this this is going to be full of spoilers because you know so this is about brent spiner's book which just came out yeah i read a new book that just came out amazing and it's called fan fiction a mem dash noir inspired by true events so In all of the descriptions of it, it's called Brent Spiner's explosive and hilarious novel is a personal look at the slightly askew relationship between a celebrity and his fans. What else? Oh, that's what it mostly says. Part memoir, part noir pastiche, an inside look at behind the scenes on Star Trek. There's a lot of stuff like that. And I I see it referenced on... Twitter a lot. Obviously, Brent Spiner himself, who I follow, is retweeting people's good comments about it. So good for him. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that people like it. I didn't care for it. So I want to talk about what it is and what it isn't and what it thinks it is, which is the problem. And you read a little bit of it. And you just you just hit the nail on the head. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Yes. And he is not skilled enough as an author to make it be all the things that he wants it to be all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other authors might've been able to pull that off, but I don't think he can do that.
0: Well, and I said, I didn't, I didn't care for the tone, which what he Mm -hmm. thought was humorous was striking me as snarky and sometimes bordering on cruel.
1: Yes, I, I agree with you. So there were, there were a lot of issues. Now, um, it's a quick read i'll say that i finished it in i don't know two or three reads i was reading it at night before i went to bed so it goes pretty quickly Mm -hmm. there are some funny things in it you know he he does i like his sense of humor whenever we've seen him in an interview he's hilarious right oh yeah he's, he's
0: a riot yeah yeah
1: he's great he has a very dry sense of humor and he'll say really funny silly things and i like some of the other stuff that he's done outside of trek he had a um a web series that was going for a while, which was again sort of about him as an actor, but wildly exaggerated. And it was really good. He oh, was very funny okay. in it. And I've written some other things that he's written, and I think he's pretty good as a writer. He did have a ghost writer, not a ghost writer, a co-writer, okay. let's say, on this. um I don't think he had an editor. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, there were some things. Now, it didn't, it wasn't filled with typos and things like that. But there were definitely some continuity things that an editor absolutely would have caught. And I want to mention a few of them. So the first thing is that, jokingly, I guess it's called a mem noir. It's not noir. <laughs> in no way is this noir in any way shape or form uh-huh. i love film noir oh, I, yes. I love it and i've seen hundreds of those movies and it's none of those things it's also not a hard-boiled crime novel which is adjacent to noir but not mm-hmm. quite the same yep. things right right so in a hard-boiled crime novel um you're sam spades or whoever the detective always finds the solution and they're in a place that's not great, Um, they're dealing with unsavory characters, bad things can happen, but in the end there's always some kind of resolution to it, right, and usually it's the detective who solves it, whether the true person who committed the crime goes to jail or not is another story, because sometimes it doesn't happen that way, but The detective wins, if we should say that. In noir, everybody loses, right? That's the kind of point of noir is Mm -hmm. that nobody wins. It's a horrible, dysfunctional, dystopian world, and everybody's going to lose. And
0: none of them are, or they are all unsavory characters.
1: Yes, they're all corrupt and Mm -hmm. amoral. And, you know, the system is corrupt and amoral, and it's Mm -hmm. just the whole world of that. Okay, none of that is in his book. None of that is in his book. So I just want to be clear about that. Um, The plot is that uh, it is inspired by true events, as it says. So it's him, Brent Spiner, being Data on a show called Star Trek with all the people who co-star in it with him Mm -hmm. in there. And there are real events that happened in real life that are in the book in a fictional setting like the death of gene roddenberry mm-hmm. and gene roddenberry's funeral which he writes about really well because it was a real event that he was at <laughs> in real life and he writes about it very well and very movingly so that's in there and he writes about some other real stuff that happens to really well and the thing that i came away from is that when brent spiner writes about real things he's really good mm-hmm. he's a good writer and he has a way of capturing things in very um uh, succinct in a very you know like he can say it in few words when he's talking about stuff that he's making up out of his brain not so much
0: Mm, Okay.
1: so a lot of what underlies this novel where he's being stalked by a crazy fan is that he's having to revisit parts of his childhood and kind of do some self-examination why am I the way I am why is this crazy fan making me so insane and a lot of it goes back to his childhood with an abusive stepfather oh wow that stuff is amazing like I wanted to read a whole book about that because it's it's really like visceral and Mm -hmm. you can feel it and you know it's real the way he describes these events and his reactions is incredible so Brent do more of that please Mm -hmm. I you know like you don't he says people have approached him to write a actual autobiography or a memoir and he's not interested. It's like, well, I think you'd be better off doing that than trying to to thread it in here. So in the end it turns out that the stalker is not the person you at first thought it was going to be you know it's like there are five people who it could have been and he ends up suspecting everybody and eventually the woman of course it's a woman who comes and tries to kill him who gets murdered by another crazy fan <laughs> who was also trying to track him down and that comes out of nowhere and is completely unbelievable mm. so that kind of ruined it for me Yeah. Was like, oh this doesn't make any sense whatsoever um The parts that involve the Star Trek cast are sort of amusing, but they feel, like you and I were saying, very much like Mm in-jokes. The things about them that he chooses to exaggerate just aren't that funny, if you don't know who they are. He portrays LeVar Burton as sort of a a Buddhist guy who burns incense and who's really groovy and sort of at ease with everything. Is LeVar like that? I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe he's the George
0: Harrison of Star Trek.
1: Maybe he is, but that's not part of his public persona at all. So is it supposed to be funny? I don't know. It's not very funny. Patrick Stewart is Patrick Stewart. Um, Frakes comes off really well, actually. He's sort of the best real-life portrayal. He's Mm -hmm. just this very supportive and friendly and brave guy. Mm -hmm. And you're like, he's cool. And he's married to Jeannie Francis. And she's cool, too. Yeah. I, I like that. So there wasn't... They're not funny. They're just there being themselves, mm-hmm. I guess. So it's like that. And then everybody like uh, Marina Sirtis gets a little cameo and Gates McFadden gets a cameo. Will Wheaton's not in it at all. Um, some of the other production people are in it, but not very much. Gene Roddenberry is in it, but only for a little bit. And then he dies as he did in real life. But the, <laughs> it's weird because... He, has the, he writes about going to a party at, at the Roddenberries, which is true, they did have a lot of parties there the way it's set up is quite fantastical like they live in this giant mansion and have waiters serving people in their huge backyard who are all sitting at tables and there's an amazing jazz band playing and all this other stuff and it's like Okay, I don't think that happened. Like, I think most of their parties were, like, naked drug-fueled parties at their pool in the backyard. Mm -hmm. I I don't think they had waiters. So that all happens. And then Gene Roddenberry dies, like, a month later in the book. Mm -hmm. Of course, in real life, a month before he died, Gene was very sick. He'd had a stroke. He was in the hospital. You know, he couldn't see people. So that timeline doesn't work at all. And I think this is a huge problem when you're mixing real life with fantasy it's very jarring because, you know, you know that stuff didn't happen in that way. And I was like, I, I don't think it was a very good idea to do it like that. The things that, that really were, I would say, just bad writing is that there's a, several times when the timeline just doesn't make sense. Mm. So as an example, um, he does some stuff. He's out all night. He comes home. Um, he has an... E- oh, God. Oh, God. There's an FBI agent who's helping him, and she has a twin sister who ends up being his bodyguard. And, of course, he's in love with both of them and doesn't know which one to choose. Yeah, And one of them is called Cindy Lou Jones, and the other one is called Candy Lou Jones. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, come on. You know? It's like, it's not funny. Yeah. It's just, it's stupid. It's just not funny. And he, so he comes home and... The, it's supposed to be, I guess, a, oh no, sorry, let me let me go back a little bit. One of his friends, his act, and I don't know if this is a real guy or not, dies where he's from in, in Texas. So he flies home to go to the funeral, which is on a Sunday, and he comes home that Sunday night after the funeral from Texas, and he's very tired, and he the FBI agent is, oh, sorry the bodyguard is there waiting for him and she's like oh you know how to go and he's like yeah I'm really tired I'm supposed to go to a Star Trek convention this weekend and she's like oh well I'll go with you and he's like are you sure that's a good idea so they go to bed they get up the next morning and they drive to the convention now he's just come back on a Sunday mm-hmm. and they're going to a convention on a Monday yeah yeah it's it's just wrong and an editor would have caught that. Mm -hmm. So that sort of stuff happens a couple of times where the days are wrong or the times are wrong. He at one point says he's having lunch on the soundstage with everybody else at like craft services. Mm -hmm. But then in the next paragraph, he's in his trailer. Like, well, where are you? Are you in your trailer? Are you having lunch? Like that doesn't make any sense. Stuff like that for me just really throws me out of a story. Oh yeah. Because it doesn't make sense and someone should have, read that more carefully so that sort of stuff is there he he comes home one night he's very tired he can't sleep so he gets up he doesn't say what time it is but he's come home from work he's had dinner he's gone to bed and he can't sleep so he gets up and he goes to the video store are there all-night video stores in los angeles (laughs) Are there video stores anywhere now? Well, this is set, you know, in in the TNG time. That's so yeah. true.
0: That's true. Yes. Maybe they do. I bet. I bet. La did have all night ones.
1: Yes, but it's not. He doesn't say I went to an all night video store. He just says I went to my local video store. Oh. Okay. I. I, mm, I don't know. So I know I'm complaining a lot. Um, <laughs>
0: well, I have well, to. You. You spent a certain amount of time and put thought into this you know Mm.
1: so the two other things I want to complain about (laughs) one is the thing that you and I have said our whole Trek lives which is that all of the fans who are featured in this book are the crazy ones Mm -hmm. they're the rat ladies with the glasses the obsessive people the people who just cannot leave well enough alone and he goes out of his way to say oh, only a few fans are like this, but they are the only fans who are given any speaking lines in this book. Okay, so he says says not
0: all the fans are like this, but he goes ahead and they're the featured fans. Correct. Yes. Well, you know why? The more sensible fans, Mm -hmm. other than standing in line and getting an autograph or whatever, wouldn't have contact with
1: him because they wouldn't push
0: themselves out into you know the spotlight or whatever like rat lady does
1: yeah you're right you're right but it it made me angry all over again just because you know you you have to do it you have to go ahead and give page time to crazy people Mm -hmm. and of course that's the whole plot of the book is that there are crazy fans who are want to murder him or you know a woman who thinks that he's calling her every night and she's in love with him and she's going to leave her husband for him it's like Mm. come on you know it's anyway i I feel like star trek fans have gotten so much of a terrible reputation for being like that Mm -hmm. that it's unfair of him to use his book to put the spotlight on people who are such a tiny population of the fans yes and and it just made me mad he could have spent a little bit of time just talking about normal people I mean I you're right he's not going to come in contact with a lot of those kind of people but he could have gone out and done some research about
0: that's it that's true
1: so um, so that let me say one more thing and this is again something an editor would have caught that the woman who he thinks is the crazy fan who's stalking him isn't Mm -hmm. um and her backstory she's fine in the end nothing happens to her her backstory is really kind of tragic so she has mental issues she's been in and out of institutions she had a like an abusive family and all this other stuff and she finally gets out of a mental institution where she's been for several years at age 18 i believe Mm-hmm. You know, the, I think that's when you can legally check yourself out. And then she disappears, and that's why they think that she's the one who's stalking him, but she's not. And in discussions with other people, they say you get a little bit more of her backstory. Oh, she's she's been in and out of different mental institutions, and she had affairs with her psychiatrists, and she seduced some of her male psychiatrists in, like, four or five years ago. So – I'm doing the math in my head, okay? She's 18, and five years ago, she was having an affair Mm -hmm. with her male psychiatrist, which would have made her clearly a minor, and you're saying she seduced her psychiatrist? Mm -hmm. That's horrible. Yeah. That's, like, and it's tossed off, like... As, not as a joke, but as a, oh, this poor girl, but she's sex crazed and she fell in love with each of her psychiatrists and she had her affairs and they just couldn't resist her because she was so seductive. And it's like, you are talking about a literal child with mental illness. Mm-hmm. I was appalled. I was just shocked and appalled that anybody would put that in a book in our, the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> You know, yes. to say that a, a, a female child of that age is seducing grown men who are psychiatrists. Right. Unbelievable. So offensive. So I'm really pissed off about that. And I haven't seen that mentioned in any of the reviews that I've read about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, for with this one thing, fuck you, Brent Spiner. That's a horrible thing to put in a book. Yeah. Hmm.
0: But you know what? Um, there are several trends in mysteries right now. And I read a lot of mysteries and I've pretty much stopped because they're all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But that's everybody's backstory. Mm-hmm. Is is the abusive childhood and then they disappeared and blah 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 you know. So, um
1: Well, he's picking up on a trend, you Mm -hmm. know, fine, but uh, somebody should have stopped him. That's all I have to say. He wrote it and his co-writer was okay with it. And no editor said you cannot include this in a book because it's horrible and it makes you look like a total fucking misogynist. Mm -hmm. But no, nobody did. And it remains in there. So that just really pissed me off. Yeah. And that's why I didn't want to end this episode by talking yes. about his book. <laughs> Can you please
0: say something nice? Can I please say something nice? <laughs> Can we See, talk I about hardly, our favorite? Safe... I hardly ever get that request. Well, why don't we do this really awkward segue into talking about strange new worlds?
1: Please, let's talk about our second favorite, Captain. Yes. And, and how good this show is going to be. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, this article um, is about the three biggest mistakes Strange new worlds should try to avoid. Okay. And th- the three that he chose are kind of interesting, and I have like a little comment on each of them, and I'm sure you do. But okay. the first one is neglecting the supporting cast.
1: Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm.
0: that's okay. you know, I, I, they, uh, they can be interesting characters. But I'm thinking in discovery, where more and more supporting cast just kind of shows up. Mm-hmm. And there's so much action going on that it's now in, what, season three? Is that where we are?
1: No, 4 Four. We're just starting season okay. four, yeah.
0: And um, I still don't have a fully formed idea on some of the main characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, you know, it's like in, in TOS – You know, Scotty was sort of featured in some episodes, and then, you know, he was in the Apollo one, you know, having a romance, Mm -hmm. and he was in the um, Mira Romaine one having a romance, but they never, like, tried to bump his role up to the equal of McCoy or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I do think there has to be this focus on the core team. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody gets their own story, but... I just, you know, if they think I'm going to keep track of everybody who walks across, you know, the bridge and and want to know their whole story and their best friend and everything else, I I don't, and I don't think the show can afford that.
1: I agree. I think what Discovery has been pretty good about is with the the secondary and tertiary characters, at least giving them some good scenes with each other, mm-hmm. um, like Stamets and uh, the engineer, uh, what's her name, Jet. You yes. You know, like. They're good. They're funny. You get little bits. It's pretty good. The people on the bridge are quite competent, and sometimes they do unexpected things. So that's okay. I I, I definitely don't want them to turn into... People who don't do anything but sit at their stations and Mm -hmm. just say, aye, aye, Captain. So, yeah, let's not do that. Right. Um, So just give them some personalities and and let them shine once in a while. And, yeah, but focus on the main crew because that's who we're there for, right? Yes,
0: yes. Okay, the next one is being too precious about canon.
1: Mm.
0: And (laughs) I'm thinking of every series that came after TOS No one was too precious about canon. (laughs) And one of the things I think they have to realize is that whenever they get off the canon path, either a little or a lot, there's going to be commentary. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if it's a lot, it's going to be big commentary. Mm
1: -hmm. That
0: that doesn't make it wrong. You're just dealing with a very, very passionate fan. Mm -hmm. So, um... One of the things they say, and I think is is pretty good, even though we've seen no episodes. So far, SNW mm-hmm. is right on the money with their approach, crafting an aesthetic that evokes rather than replicates mm. the original series, pushing the glossy futurism of Discovery slightly towards the primary color aesthetic of the 1960s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing is, I've read I don't care if their uniforms are exactly alike and everything like this, but if they suddenly decide to rewrite a major event that so much of Trek is based on or has been incorporated into, or in, mm-hmm. you know what I'm trying to say, then there's going to be an uproar. Because if you're a Trekkie, there's certain things you depend on. Mm-hmm. And if they if they say, well, no, actually the way it happened was this, it's like, no, that revealed so much about Spock and, you know, and <laughs> Picard and everybody else. You cannot just give this a whole different interpretation because Section 31 was involved in it. You know, it's oh. like, yeah.
1: I'm hoping that what they're going to do, I, I really hope this is what they do, is just sidestep all that stuff, right? mm mm-hmm. like, let's not even play with the stuff that's in canon let's be let's let's go and look at strange new worlds let's go look at stuff we haven't looked at before and not go over ground that's already been so well mapped out in tos and mm-hmm. the things that followed it you yeah. know at, at the time before kirk and company there was so much we didn't know about that you know is presumably there to be explored Mm -hmm. so you know let's just do new stuff man let's not look at old stuff
0: and okay it's called strange new worlds and at the time of kirk who is five years later they hadn't mapped the entire galaxy yet much less you know more of the universe or anything so there's got to be all kinds of places and all kinds of aliens you Mm -hmm. can meet you don't have to keep
1: running into the same 10 alien types you know exactly right there's so much more so that's that's really where I hope that they go with this is that they just they go look at new stuff let's Mm -hmm. do new stuff come on you guys you're creative you can come up with new stuff right
0: and um the third one is is the one that really hit me leaning too hard on nostalgia Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Now,
0: I never think of it as nostalgia. I think of it as a ploy to draw the fans in. (laughs) Fan service. Yes, fan service, you know. So let's have Harry Mudd. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if they run into a lot of the things that Kirk and company ran into, but it was brand new then. Mm -hmm. It's like Spock having a sister. They had to really do some fancy tap dancing (laughs) to explain why nobody ever knew this. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't want to see more of that sort of thing because it really pulls you out of whatever reality has been constructed. And also, the universe is huge. Mm -hmm. It's not a small town where, where, you know... Oh, wow, look, Harry Mudd's back in town, you know. It's not that, it's not Mayberry. It's the universe. And the chance of you always running into the people everybody else has run to, pretty low.
1: The galaxy is huge, not even the universe. Uh, yes. <laughs> it, but, yeah, our, our galaxy, the part that we're supposed to be exploring, absolutely huge, so much to be looking at I really like the last line in that section that says the title is strange new worlds after all if the worlds aren't new why bother really yes I agree with that 100 yep. percent please do not try to cram in anything from enterprise um slogan not as bad as you remember but still <laughs> we don't need to be bringing it right. up in there so yeah I I think that that would be good um people who have uh, worked on it and and seen it say it's very good. So I am hopeful that it is going to be something that that's really great. I'm I'm so excited for it and uh, I, I'm just no, I hope it's as good. I mean, this is one of the first times that my, expectations and hopes for a star Trek series have been so high. I know. And I'm trying to, to hold back. (gasps) So I don't get crushed. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) it. I'm just like, Oh, I love the character so much and I love the actors and I love the whole concept. I just, I want it to be great in Mm -hmm. every way. I really, really want it to be great.
0: Yep. And the thing is if they (sighs) rehash major events or bring back major characters, what that says to me is the only reason this episode, this story exists is to do that. Yeah. Yes. And I don't want that. That's why I'm I feel so strongly about they should not bring back Kirk. I'm mm-hmm. still kind of, you know, a little off about Spock being in it so much. But I mean that is canon. But um mm-hmm. You know, if if they're going to bring, I don't know, well, this guy's Chekhov's uncle. And uh, <laughs> let's go explore some of those steady Alpha eels. You know, it's like, uh, no.
1: Yeah. Take and, the training you
0: know, wheels off.
1: Don't, let's not have, let's not have, um, you know, the ghost of Gary Lockwood showing up oh, in God. there. I don't, I don't, exactly. I don't want exactly. these things. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're just going to have to wait to see what it is, but I am very excited. You know, it's funny. um, My expectations for lower decks Mm -hmm. were, they weren't high. They were were like medium, and that so far outstripped anything I ever thought it was going to be. It was such a delight to watch every episode and be like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so good. I, I can't believe how good this is.
0: Well, and I just, stopped. I think I might've told you in an email. I just heard from our good friend Wildcat and she had mm. just binge watched all of Lower Decks and loves it. Mm. So between you and me and Wildcat, we are three people with
1: very high standards. This is true. <laughs> this is extremely true. Um, I, I will say one Lower Decks. Oh gosh, I'm going to have to look it up for a second, but, um, There was a question somewhere on Twitter about what the years were that the different uh, series are taking place in. Somebody was like, somebody help me with a timeline. I don't know when things are happening. And um, someone specifically asked about Lower Decks. And one of the crew who works on the show, not the crew of the the show, Mm -hmm. not the crew of the Cerritos, but somebody who actually works on it. Or Ritos, as we call it. I definitely want one of those T-shirts. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what year does Lower Decks take place? So somebody had said, okay, it takes place in 2380, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's in the future ahead. Um, you know, right after the events of the movie Star Trek Nemesis take place. So it's it's sort of the futurey TNG timeline. Mm-hmm. And somebody pointed out that in do you remember in that episode where rutherford is having like weird memory flashbacks and one of them is a doctor saying like he shouldn't be remembering this stuff one of his memories is of him and tendy at a party and they're wearing the 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 new year's eve glasses you know that have the the numbers on them and the numbers say 2381 oh wow yeah and so someone said but there was this scene. And the crew person said, yep, show takes place in 2380, not 2381. So maybe he's remembering so what an that adventure
0: mean? he had. And the adventure involved time
1: travel going to 2381. It could be. That could be. Um, now I was like, "Oh, time travel or something. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows what happens? But yeah, or maybe he's got like future vision or something. I don't know <laughs> what it is. But it was like, oh, cool. Just, you know that show just had so many layers of stuff built oh, into it no. and, and then thinking about that I was like oh this is going to be cool because you know they're going to do something with that right oh like, yeah they're not just going to leave that they there, laid
0: down how... a lot of stuff in the last couple of episodes to
1: sure to did. pick
0: up and, and go with so yeah. yeah
1: so I just I saw that on Twitter and I was like oh that's so cool I can't wait to see what they do with it mm-hmm. all right okay Oh, I'm exhausted. We've talked about Star Trek for a whole hour now. I think that should do it for us. That for now. should do it.
0: And I want to apologize, fans. We do have a completed show that I have not been able to get to load. But I am going to work on it over this weekend because I know you want these shows. <laughs>
1: They're always on the regular feed that goes to Mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts and wherever else we have it. I don't know. We have it at so many different places. I just like when I see stuff I just sign up for it and then I forget about it. So I don't even know what the whole list is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but um I will I will get it. I will conquer the technology. I'm sure you will.
1: I'm sure you will. (laughs) good so uh for everybody in the u.s um thanksgiving is happening very soon and we hope you all have a lovely holiday if you're celebrating it and get some time to just kick back and eat some food and maybe watch mystery science theater or whatever it is that you do on your holidays and uh yeah catch up on center seat and maybe watch a little bit of bill going i don't understand (laughs) (laughs) and don't burn down your backyard frying oh my god he better not burn his house down, man. I really hope he doesn't burn his house down. Yeah.
0: Jeez, it's a nice house. It looks like a really nice house.
1: So if you're going to cook for Thanksgiving, do what we always say, which is live long and, and potluck. potluck. <laughs> Have people bring stuff to your house. That's right. Yes. Them. Yes. Do that.
0: <laughs> Have a giant family or friends giving and, you know, you make one thing and they bring
1: everything else. That sounds so good. Doesn't it? Really, it really, it really does. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>